The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. With their sponsorship of episode 208 of the Read to Lead podcast, FreshBooks cloud accounting software is making it easy for you to try them out with absolutely no obligation. Get access to 100% of FreshBooks features for 30 days when you visit freshbooks.com slash read to lead and enter read to lead in the how did you hear about us section. cure for resentment is actually curiosity. Because when we're curious and we're willing to look for the opportunity in a tough situation, we open ourselves up to the possibilities around us. We lift up our head and we look for more options. Hi, and welcome to the Read to Lead podcast, the podcast dedicated to your personal and professional growth. I'm Jeff Brown, and I believe that if you desire to achieve true success in business and in life, and who doesn't, then intentional and consistent reading is absolutely necessary. The Read to Lead podcast is not only going to help you narrow this important reading list, but bring you key insights and valuable ideas from some of today's most successful and inspiring authors. In just a few minutes, you and I are going to sit down with Dorcas Chang Tozen, author of Start, Love, Repeat, How to Stay in Love with Your Entrepreneur in a Crazy Startup World. Now, in your scenario, whether you're playing the role of the entrepreneur or the supportive spouse, you stand to learn a great deal from our guest today. In fact, I'm going to be asking Dorcas to share about the concerns she had at the beginning of her husband's entrepreneurial journey and how she could have better expressed those concerns, how to deal with the occasional feelings of resentment that will undoubtedly crop up, she gets vulnerable, and what to do if you find it difficult to ask others for help, plus a whole lot more. I want to let you know that this week only, in fact, through Sunday, April 1st, Easter Sunday, I'm offering you a chance to join our Read to Lead University Book Club and get the first month for just $1. That's right. Check it out for just a buck and make sure you truly like it before you commit to staying on long term. What is Read to Lead University exactly? Well, it's a book club made up of other Read to Lead listeners just like you. Listeners who want to make sure they're taking what they're learning from the books they choose to read and actually implementing what they learn into their lives and their businesses. We've got a private Facebook group for ongoing discussion, regular emails from me encouraging you in your reading, a six to seven page magazine style book summary on the book we're reading together delivered mid-month, and a live virtual book chat where you and I come together with other members to talk about that book we've just read, helping one another apply it to our lives. At the core of Read to Lead University is accountability and encouragement. If any of this sounds right up your alley, I encourage you to join us by going to readtoleaduniversity.com. And again, through Sunday, April 1st, 2018, you can try us out for a month for just $1. In fact, I'll give you a heads up. The book we'll be reading together in April is what Adam Grant calls the definitive guide to working smarter. It's a book by by Morton T. Hansen called Great at Work, How Top Performers Do Less, Work Better, and Achieve More. Again, to find out more, read to leaduniversity.com. 
Well, Dorcas Cheng Tozen is an award-winning writer, editor, and speaker. As a columnist for Inc.com, she writes about the intersection of startup life with marriage, family, and well-being, which is what we're going to spend the bulk of our time talking about today. Her work has appeared in the Wall Street Journal, Christianity Today, the Unreasonable Institute blog, and dozens of other publications in the U.S. and Asia. Her husband, Ned Tosin, is co-founder of Delight. We'll find out more about that, too. They are Silicon Valley natives who have also lived in mainland China, Hong Kong, and Kenya, and have two adorable young sons, one five and one just a few months old. Again, Dorcas's book is called Start, Love, Repeat, How to Stay in Love with Your Entrepreneur in a Crazy Startup World. Dorcas, the pleasure is mine. Thank you so much for agreeing to be a part of Read to Lead. Thanks so much, Jeff. I'm so glad to be here. For someone who, who might be thinking, well, I, I haven't started a company, but but I am a freelancer working from home, or I, I've started a lifestyle business, would you, would you say this book applies just as much to them as it might the, the typical or traditional entrepreneur? Oh, yes, very much so. Yeah. I think for anybody who struggles with finding that balance between work and family or where the lines get a little bit blurred, I think especially if you're working from home, um, between home life and work life, this book is for for you because um, I, I the hope is that there is some way that you can pursue the work that you really love while not sacrificing the people you love and the relationships that that enrich your life and and so you know I've had spouses of politicians um, and pastors and missionaries tell me that they feel like this is just as relevant for them as it is for an entrepreneur. Mm. Well, one of the things that, that that stuck out to me right away as I began to read uh, Start, Love, Repeat is that Dorcas holds back none of the messiness from her own personal uh, entrepreneurial journey with her husband, Ned. So I'd be curious, Dorcas, to know, you know what some of those initial conversations with Ned uh, were like when discussing how far to go with it, what, what to include, what not to include. Was, was there some back and forth there between the two of you? Yeah, well, I had been blogging and writing for a few years before the book came out. So I think to some extent, Ned had become used to how (laughs) personal I tend to get in my writing. Uh, He's much more private than I am, but he's also very, very supportive of my writing career. And I think when it came to this book, he was totally behind me in recognizing how important it was for me to feel free to be honest and to tell the whole story of what the story startup journey is like behind the scenes, because I didn't want my book to be another one of those polished fairy tales that (laughs) makes it sound like, well, we worked hard for a little bit, and then the company did great, and everything was fine. Uh, That's really (laughs) not how it was for us, and that's not how it is for most people who go on this journey, and so it was important to me to be really forthcoming about the messiness and the ugliness and the personal costs that people can pay to pursue their dreams. Um, And of course, there are lots of great things about the experience as well. But Ned had the opportunity to read my book manuscript first before anybody else. And I gave him veto power over anything I had written. And to his credit, he changed very little because I think he really wanted to honor my perspective and my voice. I love how your personal story serves as sort of a common thread throughout the whole thing. And, and I think it makes for a very powerful read along the way. So, so thank you for being so vulnerable. 
Yeah, thank you. Well, uh, take a moment to lay out, if you would, how the book is is structured. I think this is important, and and why you structured it, Dorcas, the way that you did. Sure. So there are six parts to the book, and the intention was for it to follow a similar trajectory as the process of starting a business. So the six sections are called market research, due diligence, strategic planning, building a team, scaling up, and exit. And each section has a little bit of my story, it has some other people's stories, and it focuses on a different aspect of family life and marriage and the startup journey, and really tries to get into what having a new business will do to your relationship, as well as some very specific strategies that you and your partner can use to strengthen your relationship throughout the unpredictable journey. And the idea behind structuring the book this way was really to encourage couples to approach their relationship with the same thoughtfulness mm-hmm. and intentionality that you would a new venture. So you wouldn't start a business, at least I hope you wouldn't start a business without at least doing some research and some planning. And I think that your family deserves that same kind of attention and care. And because there is so much of the up and down and the uncertainty and hardship in the startup journey, it's totally worth thinking through how doing this is going to affect you and those you love. And and then working to try to proactively put into practice things that will mitigate any harm that might come to your relationships and allow both you and your partner to remain healthy and grounded throughout the experience. There's a lot to be said for living a life with intention, isn't there? Yes, absolutely. I think one of the biggest mistakes that Ned and I made was that we kind of just fell into this. Mm. He woke up one day and like, wow, I think I'm an entrepreneur. And, and then, you know, that started us on this, this long road. Uh, but neither of us were at all emotionally prepared for what it would require of us. Well, Dorcas uh, interviews a number of people, obviously, for the book, uh, among them therapists. And as part of that research, she learned that they often advise that someone faced with challenging and unexpected circumstances should ask themselves a very powerful question. And that question is, what is the opportunity in this challenge or this unexpected circumstance? Uh, why, Dorcas, is, is asking yourself this question so important? When we're stressed and entrepreneurs and their spouses are almost always stressed, (laughs) our our scope of vision narrows. We're not as able to see as far into the future or beyond our immediate circumstances. And so as a result, it's really easy to feel stuck. If things aren't going well, if they aren't measuring up to what your expectations or ideals are, whether that be personal or professional, it can be really easy to feel like things won't or can't get better. And when that happens, then it just opens the door to even more difficult things like resentment and despair. And um, so one of the wisest things that I heard when I was conducting all these interviews was one marriage family therapist who told me that, in his opinion, the cure for resentment is actually curiosity. 
Because when we're curious mm. and we're willing to look for the opportunity in a tough situation, we open ourselves up to the possibilities around us. We we lift up our head and we look for more options. We we think about what it is that we're learning and how we're growing. And when we're able to think in that way, it gives us hope and helps us to move forward and to find what positive things may be happening even when life isn't going the way we expected. Because there's always something to be gained mm. from what life throws at us. And and you could argue that there is the most to be gained from the hardship that we experience. And so when, when we are looking for those opportunities, um, we can have a more positive attitude about what's happening to us as well as what we're able to do. And we can continue to love and respect our partners, even when our relationship is not exactly where we want it to be. I love just the concept of, of viewing those unexpected circumstances and challenges through the lens of growth and, and learning. I'm all about that for sure. You had some concerns early on when Ned was attempting to launch uh, D-Light, but, but you didn't bring some of those out in the open, at least not at first. Why, why was that? Yeah, I think a big part of that was just simple lack of maturity because mm -hmm. Ned and I met when we were in college. So we were really young. And then when he launched G-Lite, we were just in our mid-20s and we hadn't quite figured out how to have those kinds of really difficult and honest conversations. Mm -hmm. But there was also a sense that I didn't want to appear like I didn't support his dreams. He was just so excited about this company and the mission behind it, which, you know, it started off wanting to provide solar powered lights to families without reliable access to electricity in developing countries. And they've since expanded to now provide all kinds of different solar powered solutions. And that mission is so noble that I didn't want to stand in the way of it or make it seem like I was questioning it. And, and so then I kept my mouth shut. But an important lesson that I've learned in the years since is that those two things don't have to be mutually exclusive, that it's possible to have both. I can be supportive of my spouse's entrepreneurial dreams, but I can also ask him to talk me through, how is this going to work? How is this going to impact our family, our marriage, our kids? Um, how are we going to stay connected when he's working and traveling all the time? And, and so that has been a helpful insight to recognize that it's possible for me to love him and to love what he does and to want him to succeed and to feel able to put everything he needs to put into it. But I can also ask him to prioritize our relationship and our kids. And it doesn't have to be an either or. And I think that the, the real benefit over that that we've seen over time is that Ned's life overall is richer and he can be more effective as a leader. When I, as a spouse, am willing to challenge him and ask him tough questions and hold him accountable to things outside of his work life. If you indeed are running your own business and you want to do a better job of having more time for your spouse, that person that's in your corner supporting you like Dorcas is talking about today, then uh, one way to ensure you've got more time to spare is by considering cloud accounting software FreshBooks. They're our sponsor for this episode. I've been using the service for about nine years myself, and I wouldn't consider using another solution or, or going back to doing it the old-fashioned manual way, certainly. I do know this. No longer during tax time do I find myself buried under a mound of paperwork and receipts and spreadsheets. Not anymore. I no longer have to dig out from under that pile, and with FreshBooks, you won't either. 
By simplifying tasks like invoicing and tracking expenses and getting paid online, FreshBooks drastically reduces the time it takes, not just for me, but for 5 million other people who use their service. If you're not using FreshBooks yet, this message is for you. It is time to try it. FreshBooks offering an unrestricted 30-day free trial, no credit card required, and all you have to do is go to freshbooks.com slash read to lead and enter read to lead in the how did you hear about us exactly section. Again, that's freshbooks.com slash read to lead. There was that uh, therapy question I brought up earlier, and you mentioned that question is good for dealing with resentment that may arise uh, towards your, your entrepreneurial spouse or them toward you. Share a bit, if you would, some of the resentful feelings you experienced uh, and how you dealt with those throughout the early part of the journey and, and, and maybe even still deal with from time to time today. Yeah, Ned and I are still very much in the journey. <laughs> he <laughs> is still heading up Delight and continues to work and travel a lot. And so I would feel, I would say that our relationship continues to be a work in progress. Mm. I think the resentment in the beginning of the first few years of our marriage, it was a lot around just expectations I had of, you know, you think your relationship is going to be a certain way. You think that your partner is going to be available to you in uh, a certain way. I was hoping for a lot of long drawn out dinners and romantic walks and vacations. And then this company came along and it kind of took over our life and took over my life too in ways that I wasn't expecting. But then we had kids. And actually, I would say that the resentment got even worse because it wasn't just about missing Ned when he wasn't around, but his not being available to me meant that I was that much more sleep deprived. I had that much more work to do in terms of juggling my own career and parenting and everything else in life. And so I would say for many years, I did not deal with resentment well at all. And this book actually came out of my own desire to not be there anymore and to find real solutions to that. And so I think asking that question of what is the opportunity in this? What am I learning in this? That's a really helpful place to start. I think another place is to ask for help because none of us can really do this alone. There is so much that is asked of us along the startup journey in terms of what we need to sacrifice, what we need to give up and what we need to do, all the hard work that goes into it. And so it is absolutely reasonable and wise to understand what are the things that are causing me the most stress? And how can that be alleviated? Are there things that I need to do differently? Are there people that I can bring into my life who can share some of that load with me? Um, and it is absolutely important to sit down with your significant other and talk through, hey, this is what I'm having a really hard time with. And what can we do together? So another psychologist I spoke with, he had this great recommendation of invite your spouse to be part of the solution to ask them, what can we do? What can we figure out together mm. to make this better for both of us? And then to put those changes into action and, and check in with each other every month or two to see if things are getting better. You need your own support team. But, but what if your expectations, Dorcas, or, or your background, let's say, get in the way of asking for help? The reality is that your spouse, if he or she is an entrepreneur, they're just simply not going to be as available to provide 
the kind of support that a spouse with a more typical schedule may be able to provide. And so this kind of help could come in the form of asking family or friends or community members to step in, or it could involve hiring professionals to help if, if that's what your family is able to do. But I understand that asking for help can be hard. I think especially in our culture, we see asking for help as a sign of weakness. And so we're reluctant to do it, both personally and professionally. And this is certainly something that I really struggled with. I felt like it was very important for me to be able to take care of myself. I was used to being a high-functioning and competent person. But after our first son was born, I reached the end of my rope Mm. and I recognized that I needed help. And so sometimes we have to get to that place of desperation before we recognize that we can't do it on our own. But once you open yourself up and you're willing to take the risk, even just once to ask for help with something, you know, could be something small, like asking someone to watch your kids for an hour or asking for help with an errand, um, calling up a friend if you just need someone to talk to. And when you begin doing that and taking those small risks and reaching out to people, there's a wonderful thing that happens. You find that uh, the people around you are actually much more willing and um wanting to help than maybe you recognized. And it actually opens you up to building these strong and lasting friendships with people um, that I think when we show our vulnerability and we show our need, it helps people to really see us for who we are. And it gives them a role in our lives and a way to connect with us in a meaningful way. And and so if it's something that's hard for you, I totally get it. Um, but I think if you're you're willing to just try it, the chances are that you're going to experience something really positive out of that. And um, and it's going to make your life so much richer and better. And you will feel much more well supported along this crazy journey that many of us are on. Mm. Another insightful section of the book where you sort of dig into and give examples for how oftentimes a partner's attempt to show support to their entrepreneur in, in, in the things that they say can actually be interpreted or heard as as criticism. Can you can you dig into that a little bit? Yeah, so that was really interesting. I was surprised to hear one investor that I interviewed, Bill Reichert of Garage Technology Ventures. He told me how he sees this all the time, and especially around difficult negotiations, like when founders are trying to figure out titles and equity. And when that happens, more often than not, the spouses actually get involved behind the scenes and they are telling their entrepreneurs that they need to ask for more. They need to demand more, that they deserve more. And it's a tricky situation because it sounds like you are behind your spouse, that you're wanting them to get what they deserve. But it can also sound like you're saying hey, you're not standing up for yourself. You're not doing a good job of negotiating on your behalf and you need me to step in and and push you and pressure you to do it better. And, And so I think it's just a really tricky balance. But one of the essential things, I think, is for spouses to recognize how important it is that they are regularly affirming one another and that they're affirming their unconditional love and respect for one another. I think entrepreneurs so often have to deal with rejection. They so often have to deal with 
um, just really difficult situations or people doubting them, doubting their ideas. And so as a significant other, I think one of the most critical things that you can do is to be very clear in saying that I love you for you. I love you for who you are, not what you do, not what you accomplish, not for how successful this business is or not. Um, I will still love you no matter what happens. And I think if you as the spouse can be really clear about that and your partner can then feel secure in the relationship, then it creates a much better environment for you to be able to give them feedback and input. And and it'll be easier for them to hear it and to recognize that, that when you are speaking up in that way, you're coming from a place of really wanting what is best for them. Um, and I think that just makes for more productive conversations all around. Well, for someone like me, uh, who has been working for himself for almost five years, I can tell you that that just the idea of that used to scare me to death. Uh, you know, not knowing what life would would look <laughs> like sometimes from month to month or year to year. And I know you've struggled with that uh, in the past. How do you and and Ned Dorcas go about setting goals and, and deadlines as a couple through all that uncertainty? For us, our goals are very much aligned with our priorities. So we think about, okay, where are we at? And priorities change year by year. And so at this moment in time, what is most important to us? And for a while before we had kids, it was all about doing work that was really meaningful to us and that we were really passionate about. And then I burned out really badly and our marriage took some hits. And so then we began focusing more on self-care and our relationship. And now a lot of it about kids, ensuring that we're good parents, that we are taking into account their well-being and their development and growth, as well as the health of our own relationship. And so based on what those priorities are, we talk about where it is that we want to be in three months or six months or a year and how it is that we're going to get there. And for us, it's not so much the what as the when that is far more difficult. Oftentimes, Ned and I have been on the same page in terms of what's most important to us, which is been great. But our timelines are really different. I usually am more impatient about wanting us to focus on personal and family matters. And Ned likes to look at the calendar of the business and and consider those things as more urgent. And, And so that's something that we often have to negotiate is the timing of when we feel like we can really make these goals happen. And oftentimes we end up with a deadline that's somewhere in the middle that isn't exactly perfect for either of us, but it's something that works and and we can live with it. And it actually does feel like it's possible. Well, I've asked a number of questions covering uh, parts one through five. I haven't asked anything necessarily from part six, exit. Uh, Is there anything from that section or anywhere else from the book you want to make sure we know before I move on to some non-book related questions? Yeah, so Exit has two chapters that one is called Surviving Success and one is called Surviving Failure. And I think we think a lot more about surviving failure. There's a lot of failure in the startup journey, and that's part of it. And I think many of us accept it, but it is extraordinarily difficult. And so your ability to support one another through the demise of a business, I think that's where the rubber really meets the road in terms of your relationship and your willingness to love one another and be there for one another when things are really, really tough. Um, But the surviving success piece, that was something that kind of surprised me as I was coming across the research of realizing that 
that is something that almost every entrepreneur I know aspires toward, right? Is you want a business that's doing really well. At the very least, it's allowing you to live a very comfortable lifestyle. But there are many entrepreneurs who want to change systems and revolutionize industries. And that's all wonderful. But but success actually comes with its own price. Um, and it can be very jarring to go from kind of a regular person to suddenly having a lot of wealth or status or fame. And, and so I really hope that couples that see that coming, they will be as thoughtful about who are we and who do we want to be when we have a lot of resources, um, when everybody knows who we are, when we're on the cover of magazines or we're featured in the media, to, to be really certain about what are we going to do when that happens and how are we going to support one another in it? Because it's actually not as easy and as wonderful as it may sound. Um, and, and so I think that that was a really helpful perspective for me of recognizing that, hey, there's kind of no perfect fairy tale ending, that, that every step of the way along the entrepreneurial journey, um, you just need to be really clear about who you are as individuals and who you want to be as a couple and as a family. And that ultimately is what is going to lead you to a fulfilling life. Well, I'll say that uh, as I began to familiarize myself with the premise of the book, my first thought was, gee, I wish this was a book I had five years ago when I started. But here's the cool part. I found it no less useful to me today. Uh, I'm, I'm well into my journey, uh, but it had just as much uh, power and impact. I want you to think about, if you would, the books you've read over the years. They are many, I'm sure. What would you say, Dorcas, are the uh, two or three titles that might immediately come to your mind is, is having had the biggest impact on you and, and, and if you can share why or how they impacted you as they did. Yeah, one of the first books that came to mind was Daring Greatly by mm. Brene Brown. Oh. And she talks a lot about not being ashamed of our shortcomings or the ways in which we feel like we failed, but to embrace that vulnerability and to recognize the gifts that can come from from being willing to accept that that is just part of who we are and, and being open about that and sharing that with others. And then another book is by Donald Miller, and it's called A Thousand Miles in a Million Years. And I really liked this book, I think, especially as a writer, because it's all about thinking about your own life as a story. And what would it look like for you to live a really good story? And so he kind of breaks down the different elements of, of story, you know, in terms of there's hardship and there's obstacles and the hero is on a journey and their character changes and develops and they grow along the way. And um, that's a paradigm that I've carried with me ever since I read that book. And it's just been really helpful for me to step back and see the bigger picture when my everyday life is feeling a little bit tough and I'm not totally sure where I'm going. <laughs> and then um, the last one is, you know, I thought it'd be interesting to throw in a little bit of fiction, mm. which is that I love the Lord of the Rings trilogy and as many, many people do. And I, I feel like that story is just so powerful in showing us what courage looks like and what it is to make bold decisions and to do things for the greater good, even when you are scared half to death. And of course, it also talks about the importance of friendship and community along the way. Um, and so I've thought about, you know, those characters and, and their journey a lot in my own story and um, remembering how, you know, little, little people um, can still do really extraordinarily 
extraordinary things if, if they're willing to take those risks. I'm just only recently getting on the Brene Brown uh, train. We're not related in case anybody's wondering. Uh, uh, and I've got two or three of her books on my Kindle that I'm just now diving into. So uh, I love that you, you, you mentioned one of her books. Uh, Donald Miller, back when I, uh, before this podcast started, uh, I did a blog where I reviewed books and uh, A Million Miles in a Thousand Years was one of those books that I reviewed back in, well, gosh, it was 2009, 2010, I think. Uh, and have since had Donald on the show to talk about uh, his story brand book, his more recent book. And Lord of the Rings is probably my all-time favorite piece of fiction uh, ever. Mm -hmm. So, so I'm uh, you and I are are cut from yeah. the same cloth there. I think when Great. it comes to books. <laughs> well, um, yeah, I'm a real big believer that that public speaking is a skill that anyone in a position of leadership has to to strive to be good at. Uh, and as someone who who does uh, a fair amount of uh, public speaking yourself, what are your tips, Dorcas, for delivering an impactful and memorable public talk? Well, as might be kind of obvious from what we've been discussing, I am a big supporter of being personal and sharing personal stories. I think it really helps the audience relate to you, but it's also what tends to be most memorable. Yeah. So statistics are great, catchy one-liners are fine, but ultimately when people walk away from a presentation or a talk, I think they remember most how you made them feel. Mm. And, and so if you're able to connect with them on a heart level, if you're able to share something that really um, gets to them beyond an intellectual level, then I think all of the rest of what you have to say will stick with them that much more. Mm. And, and I think coming across as a real person with doubts and questions and uncertainties and failures, um, that just makes you that much more of an effective and powerful um, advocate for whatever it is that you are wanting to share with people. What's around the corner? What's next for you that you and your team are working on that you're excited about? Well, I am continuing to write for Inc. and a number of other publications about the same topic. But the major thing around the corner is actually on a more personal level, but it's very much related to this, which is that our family is moving back to Kenya mm. in just a few months. And so the journey absolutely is still continuing for us. So this time we are going with a, our older son will be six, our younger son will be nine months. Mm. And yeah, we are going to Kenya for Ned's work so he can really focus on the business. And our plan is to be there for a year. Um, and so I'm looking forward to another opportunity to learn and to be stretched and to try to invest in our family while also wanting to support what my spouse is most passionate about. Um, and so exactly what that adventure will look like, I can't <laughs> quite say, but that has been fairly common over the last few years ago, <laughs> and I don't really know what hits me until we're there. But um, I'm thankful to be in this with, with Ned and to be able to bring our kids along to something that feels really meaningful and I think will really bond us and change us as a family. Well, the book, again, is called uh, Start, Love, Repeat, How to Stay in Love with Your Entrepreneur in a Crazy Startup World. Her name is Dorcas Chang Tozen. Dorcas, thank you so much for taking time out to, to be with us today. I really appreciate you sharing a, a very vulnerable and helpful journey. Thank you so much, Jeff. It's been such a pleasure. 
For links to the books that Dorcas recommended and to connect with her online, you can find all that at the show notes page created especially for this episode. That's at readtoleadpodcast.com slash 208 for episode 208. Consider checking out my private book club, readtoleaduniversity.com, through this Sunday, Easter Sunday, April 1st, your chance to try it out for a month for just $1. There's also that free 30-day trial from our friends at Cloud Accounting Software, FreshBooks. And I think now is as good a time as any to try out FreshBooks, not just because of their free 30-day trial, but if you haven't done your taxes yet, trust me, you'll thank me later. To find out more about that free trial, freshbooks.com slash lead. And finally, I want to say thanks to Shelly Blitz from Australia, who gives the podcast five stars in iTunes, calling it the best guide to what to read and says, among other things, that she's found the podcast a great tool in her toolbox on her leadership journey. Thank you, Shelly. Appreciate that very much. Well, that does it for this week. I look forward to seeing you next time. Until then, remember, leaders read and readers lead. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply.